July 15, 2015. It's a Watt from Pedro's show.
Watford Pedro Show here at the Love Grotto. Pleasure Point here, Pedro. Yeah, Brother Matt. It's been a while. It's been a good while. Yes. And uh, back in the homeland, got our, our uh, synchronized schedules. <laughs> I think last time was before I went on tour. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It was like April, May. I left, I think, at the end of April. We're not alone, Brother Matt. We no, got we gotta a guess. visitor from Skype. Arizona Skyping via the Skypes. Yes, welcome. Is it your first time using Skype here? Uh, no, on this uh, uh, on, iPad. On the iPad, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's introduce our, our guest, Chris Kirkwood. Welcome. Hey, you guys. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, damn right. Uh, you're coming through through a little iPad via Skype. I think. Right on. It's Estonian. I think Estonians came up with the software. And you know who's Estonian, Chris? Huh? Raymond Pettibone's Ma. Oh, oh really? Yeah. So that's the connect for today. <laughs> the Estonian connect. <laughs> the Estonian connect. You got it. We start off the show with, well, you need, well, you need John Coltrane with Thelonious Monk. It was a fuck-up. They had to start over. I wanted to play that so... People would realize even badass beboppers like that cl- blow clams. <laughs> and then we heard uh, Sawako and Daisuka Miyatani with Fellfall in honor of you being on the show, Chris. Uh, I got to be on Chris's show before that tour, Brother Matt. Oh, cool. Before I left on that tour with Miss and Men in Europe, Third Opera. Was I the second man aboard? I think you might have been. I think so. That was the very first time getting about it, you know. Uh, yes, he's just getting his show together. Oh, very cool. He's got a, a, a kind of like a thing like this, right? Pretty much. I mean, it's just, it's... But you don't do it, it in Arizona. You come to SoCal to do it. Yeah, I've been coming out there and doing them at a studio in Hollywood. And, uh, well, now that you're quarter. getting all Skypeified, maybe <laughs> you could stay home and <laughs> <laughs> over the computer. <laughs> Make it a bit easier, definitely. But I mean, it's some hell rides. Yeah, I've driven out there a lot, you know. We've driven out there so many times, it's not even funny. So it's not, you know, it's kind of, it sets me up for, you know, going into work mode. What's the town, Buckeye? Uh, Let's see, yeah, there's Buckeye. That's the far west side of Phoenix. That's the far west one, right? Yeah, you know. It's not really part of Phoenix, but, you know, as you're getting towards Buckeye from Phoenix, there's still streets and avenues. They're, like, numbered in the hundreds, yeah, all the way out there. And pretty much Buckeye now connects with Phoenix, you know, as far as, like, it's kind of grown all the way out there to it. Cause, We're talking Trachomelandia and Mallandia. Way, way, way. And the destruction of the beautiful desert and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's a trip, Michael. When we used to, when we first started coming out to Los Angeles, you know, yeah. and this in the, the very earliest 80s, the, uh, the 10 didn't even connect, the I-10 freeway. That's Actually, right. Actually, you remember that? It, That's like, right. stopped at... Uh, Dysart Road is the name of the road. Yeah, you'd have to drive all the way out if we we're going to LA. I drive all the way out west to the on uh, city street, surface streets to get onto the freeway. Damn. So, yeah, and now now the town just has grown all the way out there to that. You know, now it's just such a big stretched out chunk of fucking reality. So changes, changes. Yeah, quite a bit of changes. You know, and and I mean, and for this place definitely, Phoenix has grown a lot. You know, considering how small it was when we first got out here. Okay, let's go back to the beginning. Can you tell me the first musical recollection you have? First musical recollection? I don't know. I don't know. My memory's kind of kind of shaky. But uh, mine too. 
You know, I mean, it would have been like some of the very earliest musical stuff would have been like uh, mom used to like to take us on road trips. You know, my brother Kurt, of course, yeah. is uh, you know a little bit older than me, and I was, so I was relegated to the back seat, and uh, they would sing. I remember that mom and Kurt would actually sing together. Okay, so the first music you can remember is your brother and your ma singing. Awesome. Yeah, pretty That's much that kind of stuff. You know, and mom wasn't a big music person really, but there were just like these certain things that had come out that she had. You remember that on uh, on our first record there on Me Puppets One? There's um, Tumble and Tumbleweed. Yeah, you know? love that, it. We got, we got that off of mom. That came through her. That was one of the things she sang. And then there was stuff I think from her dad's generation. Who, who maybe wrote that? Wasn't it the same dude who wrote Cool Water? Maybe you know he got got me there. I'd have to look, um, but uh, it might have been. It might have been. And Cool Water was another one. She, that was another one that she was definitely. Is that right? Know, break out. So because you, know? you guys got really into playing standards, so maybe that goes way back with you guys. Somewhat, but it wasn't like mom. Mom wasn't like a musical person. You know, no. it wasn't like she she didn't head us in that direction at all. It was just kind of a a thing where there was just a handful of stuff that she was she knew, and you know it would sing with Kurt and, and back then I mean I think they actually harmonized and I didn't really realize what was going on with it at all I was really young it was just ages ago she liked to take road trips you know so we'd get in the car and start driving and, yeah you know just me mom and Kurt so okay so what about records do you remember when you first started getting records somewhat vaguely vaguely you know anything like that would have come through Kurt you know him being a little bit older than me so you know did I you kind guys of did you conk in the same room yeah we totally so, did yeah that. so if he was playing music of course you'd be hearing it yeah and I mean I like I remember the Beatles actually got through at a really really young age you know Beatle records and, uh, yeah you know I was born in 60 so you know take it out a few years from there and and like those albums those records got through and then there was some stuff that you know was around the house a little bit record wise that uh, it was like a really early on kind of stuff, but I didn't really get that much into like records and stuff myself until I was a little bit older, you know. What cats in school? Um, yeah, and uh, that, and and uh, and still Kurt as well. And then I mean, really, really getting into it. It all started like um, you know, like uh, like playing wise. It started. Yeah, with... let's talk about playing. When did you instead of just listening to music? That happened. That happened. Uh, that happened around '74, I think, when um, I saw the movie Deliverance. You know, I, the, it's like a sure James uh, Dickey book. And that uh, that scene where they uh, who's in it? Burt Reynolds. It's Burt Reynolds and Void. And uh, there's the scene with uh, Ronnie Cox where he plays a little bit of bluegrass with that kid. That's, that's right, that guy, the porch you know? kid. And that banjo scene in that just lit me up. It's called dueling banjos, but actually only one of them's a banjo. <laughs> right, it's a dueling banjo. <laughs> you know, and uh, and that, I don't know. That just turned me on. It was that age, you know, when you, that age, like stuff would catch your yeah. attention. Yeah, you know, and some would just get your attention, and you'd, like I don't know, that, that just really caught me. The banjo just suddenly caught my interest. And we, I'd had lessons before that. I'd actually taken lessons. Mom had like had us take, uh, you know, music lessons. Like there was this guitar teacher that came over to the house. And I didn't really like it. It just didn't, you know, it wasn't anything I was that interested in. And then she had me take some piano lessons as well when I was young. And I didn't really like that that much either. You know, none of that stuff really stuck. But once I saw that scene in Deliverance, you know, I went out and got myself a banjo. I was a little kid and wow. took some lessons in that. And, and that that's what did it. That's what, like, turned me on to, like, uh, like what playing was in a way, you know. And, and I don't know, it just opened my head up to, it, to, to myself in a really cool way. 
Now, did you and Kurt, your brother, do guitar banjo? Did you do your own dueling? No, no, not really. Not really. We weren't that, we, we didn't hang together that much back then, you know. Oh, like, no, like, I know uh, how it is. Uh, even a couple years is a big difference when you're younger. Yeah, and there was just that enough of a difference there so that, you know, and he was playing guitar, though. I mean, he like, right. he kind of always had a guitar around in a way and had some lessons. And he actually, speaking of the bebop guys, he studied, um, uh, you know, some, he took some bebop lessons from a guy, McClarty was his name, that had a music shops where I got my banjo up in Sunny Slope, the, the part of Phoenix that we grew up in. And, Sunny and, Slope? Yeah. I wonder if know. I've ever been there, have I? Um... Maybe I mean it's just like the north part of town. You know what where I, I oh, well what I know of the north is I seventeen when you're coming down from right. Flagstaff. Yeah, and, so and you get sunny to slope, sunny slope before you get to Phoenix. Kinda, and it's a little bit off of the. It's a little bit east of. Um, it's a little bit east of the seventeen there, okay. and it's right up like the neighborhood we're in. It's right up. Uh, I would have gone to Sunny Slope High School, except Mom sent us off to Brophy. Right, Kurt and I went to. Brophy College Preps, the Jesuit, you know, high school in town. But like the grade school that I went to, uh, Royal Palms was like I'd have gone to Sunny Slope oh, High. Got Royal then, Palms yeah. too. Nice. So yeah, we got one here in Pedro. There you go, and that's where I went Roman to grade school. Yeah. And then like the other high school, like the in between the seventeen and like my grade school and stuff. The other high school was Cortez, yeah. and uh, that's where uh, uh, Alice Cooper, you that's know, Vince Fortner. That's where the coop went to school. I mean, I so only that, know about Camelback because of the song. And the, the, and the mountain there, that's the name of the mountain. That one mountain, you know, is Camelback Mountain. There's a Camelback High School, too. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and the, that, that's named after the big mountain there in town. It okay. looks like Camelback. What about dudes at school? Did you start playing banjo, or was it just man alone? No, it was just me alone, you okay. know? I mean, it was before, it was like, it's still in grade school when I got the banjo. Sure. And definitely, you know, there wasn't like a... Uh, you know, it wasn't like a, I didn't have musical pals or anything like that. You know, it was just one of the things I was like interested in as a little kid. And, okay. You know, and I took, you know, I took some lessons from a guy and, uh, I don't know, it was really bitching. There was a, there was a point where the, the practice suddenly kind of made the banjo roll a little bit, you know, trying to do the pull-offs and the hammer-ons that are entailed yeah. playing, you know, and sitting there and, you know, doing it like when you first start out, it just didn't, you know, the, like the, the melody wasn't there or whatever, and I didn't really get it at all. And then just one day after having played it for a while, suddenly like the little thing went, you know, and it, the, it was a breakthrough. The, yeah, it was a total and complete breakthrough on a really, really cool level that I still remember, you know. It's like just that, like suddenly getting the notion that, that uh, you know, people would go out of their way to like make instruments, that people wanted to make music, you know, and that other people had made an instrument, you know, that they'd made this outlet for something just innate in people they desire to make this noise you know and then the complexities of it as well it just blew me away that there's like you know that somebody could get to the point of figuring out that like you could add these grace notes around the melody you know and right. then the melody would be implied up underneath it and stuff it was really neat and uh now that's how i actually got started with your own little personal okay you ever banjo anymore yeah you know what i still actually have that that banjo that i that I bought as a kid. I still had the exact same banjo. And the, Matt, uh, there was a gig at RFK Stadium where Chris came on with a banjo and a fucking jester suit. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. We did the banjo. Oh, that was, I think that... it's actually on uh, like uh, LoopDube, uh, YouTube.com or something. You yeah. can see you and like that's... prancing in a jester suit and an unmicrophoned banjo at RFK Stadium. <laughs> 
asked other people. Yeah, that's the, that was the first time I actually recorded was on your record, that's Michael. That's right, you know? Big Train. Big Train, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's like... And I remember the sound man walking away. The motherfucker. We had no monitor man, and then the main guy walks away in front of 60,000 plus people. Side mice. Side mice. Total side mice. (laughs) So I remember you telling me about this banjo thing before, but something happened at a camping trip. At a camping trip? Oh, maybe that's where you lost weight. Oh, that was the the trip up to uh, Alaska. Okay. Because people, you might not know it, but Chris used to be belling when he was young. Yeah, I was a big fatty. I was a big fatty. I mean, that, that's why, like, you know, seeing did I play with other people and stuff, I was pretty withdrawn. I still am, you know. I mean, it's just, you know, fairly withdrawn on a personal level and stuff. And, like, definitely as a teenager, I, I let myself go ahead and get pretty goddamn chunky, you know. Okay. And then uh, Kurt and I took that trip. It was, like, it was after high school. Was, I started going down to Phoenix College. Yeah, community college here in town, and they had this summertime trip that they offered for, and you got like college credit out of it out to Alaska, and uh, I decided, me and another pal decided to go on that, and Kurt decided to go as well, and we all went up there, and yeah, I lost a bunch of weight on that, and it was that it was the summer of '79, uh, okay. so then coming back from that, that's like. Right after that is when, you know, we started playing with Derek shortly after that. Derek Bostrom, because Derek Bostrom's very key, right? In, yeah, totally. As far as uh, you getting, because up to this point, you still haven't been in a band. No, I hadn't. We had a little tiny band project, like before we went up to Alaska. Uh-huh. Um, I'd started playing bass somewhere in there a few years before that. You know, I was playing the banjo, and then, then uh, basses started to look cool to me, you know. and Oh, wow. You know, and I was and I was going. I'd been going to shows and stuff. I started getting into like going to live shows and started to realize that I like you know that I like certain stuff and that you could go to shows. And Phoenix had a good amount of of uh, you know people come through here because just how the rooting thing, you know, coming out of out of California, you know, heading also east. some homegrown bands too, like Feeders. Yeah, that was later. That was uh, okay, you know I, I started to realize that stuff was going on later. And I'm talking about like going to like you know just you know. Rock shows, jazz shows. Oh, some, okay, not 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 the scene. Yet. No, not the scene. I wasn't aware of that yet. The, the concerts and stuff, you know, before that. And then, like right before we went to uh, Alaska, started to like uh, hang out with a few different people and and became aware of this other kind of music that was kind of going on. And Kurt and I played with this friend of mine, Jesse. This guy Jesse and a guy from grade school that I got to grade school with to play drums and we had a little project called I E Y E right and Jesse was like the lead singer of that and and Kurt and I played backup and that that lasted for just a minute, you know, and wasn't I mean it was so like, you know, tentative, like, you know, baby steps kind of stuff for me. But Kurt had been in bands already though. He'd already been like, you know, playing in like uh cover bands and stuff, you know. He was like and he was in a band called uh Keeley which is uh, a it's Apache for warrior and like okay. they were part of this this uh, the Ray Andrade Orchestra. It was this uh, family of you know musicians and the the like the the old the dad or whatever kind of they had you know did like a lot of like the uh, like quinceañeros and stuff like that. You know sure. what I mean? And and they had different you know groups and whatnot. Like Keeley actually wore like matching clothes. You know they were like. Uh, like these blue pants, like a blue vest, you know, like back 70s kind of 
kind of thing, and they all dress the same and stuff. And they do stuff like walking in rhythm, you know, the covers. <laughs> and then Kurt actually was in a rock band too. He's played a. He got fired from that. I think he got fired from Keeley. And then he got. He was in a rock band with these guys, um, and uh, they called themselves uh, Granite Granite Reef, which is like uh, that's a street here in town. And uh, not and a see, lot of reefs in Phoenix. But it's like you know, it's granite, right? Which is rock, and then right. reef, which is, which is like reefer, right? So, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and, Aaron, and Chris, they, let's listen to some music. Let's do.
gonna please you Just a little town down in Indonesia Bangkok Woo, Bangkok He said he had men lying in bed One got his mouth up The other said Bangkok Woo, River Bangkok Making love the Japanese way Learned aggressively in Hong Kong, Bangkok. Yeah, we're gonna go to Bangkok. Margaret Trudeau, Jackie O, Madame Liu, and Bridget Margot, Bangkok. Yeah, Bangkok.
in and out the back door's gotta go i want that door closed all the time the music's owner we pull the plug on the whole thing and shut it down well well that'll be my goddamn decision i don't want any arguments about it that door stays closed and anybody like that goes out it stays out it that was whisker But a bucket and a mop and an illustrated book about birds. You see a lot of fear, but don't be scared. Who needs action when you've got words? When you finish with the mop, then you can stop and look at what you do. There's nothing to come but a bucket and a mop and an illustrated book about birds. You see a lot up there, but don't be scared. You need action when you have words. Many hands began to scan room for the next plateau. Some said it was Greenland and some said Mexico. Others decided it was not. Fuck you, baby. Pussy. Those just guesses wouldn't Smelly help pussy. me
Watt from Pedro Show. We just heard the Adventures of P.P. the Sailor by the Meat Puppets. Yeah, that's a that's a Paul Leary song. Yeah, oh, I know that. I remember <laughs> the uh, Jella put out that first record. Oh, that's right. And there's P.P. the Sailor or some shit. You know, um, Jello. That the first time I played in uh, first time I played in L.A. It was with the Feeders. Yeah, I was fucking nineteen. And we played at the whiskey opening for Jello and and uh, the DKs. Yeah. And the next night we drove up to uh, up to San Francisco and played at the Mabuha, and it was my twentieth birthday. Damn. Yeah. Uh, we had many birthdays from uh, Austin after that with Midnight Survival Odyssey, Tao Falco new album, doing Ax Chilton song Bangkok. Solanke from Leeds from about 20 years ago. I got turned on to this by Captain uh, Finland. Short songs. Super Chunk with me, you, and Jackie Mitu. The Space Pony from Ravenna, Italy. I Need You. Despise the Lie. To Back Out of Pittsburgh. Banditos. No good. No means no. Al's bag. Remember the bags? That's Alice uh, doing a song just recent. She's quite a, a spokesperson and writer now. And then finally, Plateau, live, Meat Puppets, where uh, this is from Whiskers. And, oh, uh, wow. That's yeah, cool. the, the boss, it might be Whiskers himself. He says, telling people, hey, you can't be running in and out the back door. Stop the show. <laughs> so... Let's talk about Derek Bostrom. You're telling us about your brother being in these other rock bands and these other uh, kind of things, and you're switching over from banjo a little bit to the bass. Yeah, yeah, I've been playing bass for a minute, and then uh, you know, like I said, we and I went up on that trip to Alaska, and that was a that was a real fun one. You know, it was fun for me. I, what I'd have been like 18 in, and somewhere there, I think I might have even grown a little bit taller so but I lost a bunch of weight and somehow it kind of brought me out of my shell enough when we got back so that I was just a little more comfortable you know like you know just in my own self and uh so when they're through a, a, a pal of ours this guy I went to grade school with and that lived right down the street from me Chris Chris Hart uh, we like started meeting other people that he was aware of you know he was kind of an outgoing guy and uh I think he hung out with like the uh the LRY you know, like the liberal religious youth or something. It was part of like the um, Unitarian Church somehow. And there's these folks and just a different group of people, you know, that, that he, he was, that he knew. And through him, we met Derek. That's how we wound up meeting Derek. Okay. And, uh, and these guys were all kind of like, um, I think they were kind of like hipper than, than, than us in a way. You know, they're definitely cooler than I was or something. Just a little more turned on, like culturally, kind of a little, little like a, slightly privileged side of town in a way or you know a little bit yeah. and uh and so you know how the folks like that are kind of aware of cooler stuff or something anyways derek was just into this different kind of stuff and and uh he and kurt started playing together a little bit you know and with just drumming guitar yeah yeah and and uh and then somewhere in there that you know they decided you know they asked me if i wanted to play a little bit with them so Actually, like, I don't know if I'm actually a founding member, if I'm, like, you know, the hired bass player or something, you know, <laughs> somewhere in there. But, you know, and then when the three of us played together, then suddenly there was a group of people then. There was, like, you know, like-minded folks and whatnot, and there was music going on, you know. There's, you know, Derek knew other people that played as well. 
and and it wasn't like the same thing that like Kurt had been doing, you know, where he's playing in these bands and we're trying to get, you know, paying gigs and like, you know, fairly straightforward kind of stuff and we're doing covers and all this kind of stuff. It was way more just kind of like, you know, getting going off into a, a another tangent, you know, that where you were playing for your own, you know, amusement and whatnot. And oh, it's get, uh, the scene, the stuff yeah. that we're talking about. Yeah, okay. Getting a little arty about it at that point, you know? Right. So, and Derek was aware of like, like uh, of the punk rock scene that had been happening already that had, you know, for a while, you know, and I mean, I was aware that it existed and whatnot, but I, but he had like the records and stuff. He had like the seven inches, he had a huge bunch of, bunch of seven inches and, you know, stuff that I hadn't heard before and got turned on to all that kind of stuff. And, and the three of us started playing together and that was like real late, like late 79, you know, so, and it, you know, it was, it was a, you remember the first gig? The first gig, I think maybe we like did parties, you know. I think we like played at a, um, like at a at friends' parties. Um, I remember like uh, we played this one party. This guy I'd gone to grade school with, and we didn't have a name yet. We weren't calling ourselves anything yet. And uh, my friend wanted to announce us, and he said, "Ladies and gentlemen, the Rash." <laughs> you know, like, That's a pretty good name, still, you know. So. <laughs> And at that point, like, Derek was singing mostly. We were still doing covers, but we were doing, like, punk rock covers, you know, because we realized they were pretty easy songs to figure out and to play, you know? Yeah. So we were kind of doing that, and Derek would sing them. When did, yeah, it, so. when did it change from the rash to the meat puppets? That would have been somewhere in there. So it went from, like, uh, you know, that that being, becoming aware of, like, the punk rock thing. You just realized, well, fuck, we could write our own songs, you know? Right kind of a thing and we started writing stuff and somewhere in there Kurt wrote a song called Me Puppets you know right and we decided to like give ourselves a name at a point and we're figure, you know just trying to figure out what the hell to call ourselves and and uh, and we just plucked that you know the name of the song off the you know just grabbed it off the song and decided to go with that and you somewhere near the first club gig yeah I'm trying to remember the first club gig yes Kurt would probably remember Derek definitely would more you know like a the very first club gig it's a little bit harder to i can't quite remember but um it, you know at, at the time that this the punk rock thing was start, like there was like a thing starting to happen in town here you know right. where punk rock shows could happen and and uh and there was the folks that had like come before us they were you know like i mean punk had been around for a while at that point you know yeah. and and there had already been like you know a scene in phoenix like we mentioned, the feeders, and then there was the, you know, the consumers and those guys. Right, who ended up going to Hollywood. Right, and all those dudes moved out there, and that's how we wound up connecting with Los Angeles. Is do you remember your first gigs in SoCal? Yeah, that I do remember. I remember the first, you know, like, I was the one, I made it out there first and played with the feeders. That was before the Meat Puppets had made it out there, because the feeders' original bass player, Danny, had, you know, had moved out to Los Angeles, and they had some shows they wanted to do, so... uh they asked me if I if I wanted to play bass in it, and uh, it was Frank Discussion and and uh, Johnny Precious, right? John Vivier playing drums, and I definitely wanted to do that. Uh, Johnny was a great fucking drummer, and and Frank was a an, a, a unique character, you know. And uh, I liked the songs, and you know, picked them up real quick. So that was, was like the big first time. record. Jesus entering through the rear. Yeah, Jesus entering from the rear. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> You know, real, real representative of the Phoenix, like a Phoenix, 
rock, you know, in a way of the like the Phoenix feel for things. I mean, you look at like Alice Cooper, and it's not, you know, sure. and the feeders, you know. There's, there's just something about this place. Look, it's some kind of visceral about it. We wound up calling ourselves the Meat Puppets, you know. Could have, you know what I mean? There's certain just a certain viscerality about it. Living in the desert maybe had some influence on that. What about the but, Monitor people? You know, that the Monitor thing happened. Then that's the same thing. Like uh, the Meat Puppets' first gig in Los Angeles was at a um, at a a little art gallery like in Hollywood yeah like just a little storefront gallery that this dude had and um I can't remember his name or the name of the place uh but we came over and that played might have with, turned into like the free music society or something well that that came right on the heels of that or something we got in okay. with those folks because that first gig was with Vox Pop right right Don Bowles yeah and because he's from out here that's right? right so and uh and we got to know, hook up with those guys, and you know, like Paul Cutler was in that. That's from out here as well, you know. And, sure. And uh, that I'm night, around. let's see, you know, I remember, uh, you know, you know who was at that gig was Bill Bartel was at that gig. Sure, Bill Bartel. Because he just loved the Germs, right? Right. And, and Jimmy was there playing with Fox Pop, and I remember that night, Jim, uh, Bill stole Jimmy's license plate because Jimmy had a, a license plate that said. Unit 666 was the uh, <laughs> license plate, right? So it's like Bartel like snatched that there. And El Duce was there, yeah. you know? So going back ways. But we got, like, got connected with those dudes because of, of – because uh, of uh, Derek was – had like struck up a, like a, a male relationship, whatever, like a through-the-mail relationship with, um, you know, just friendship with, with uh, David Wiley. Who had been the singer for the consumer? Consumers and it ended up human hands. Right, and then he was with the human hands, and so that's how we wound up like getting that, like the getting to know those guys doing that gig out there with Vox Pop and stuff, and then okay. uh, and from that, that's how we met Monitor. I saw them at the whiskey. Do you know Don uh, Bowles now? Is a he's a great grandfather. Wow. Is he a great grandfather? Yeah, that's badass. I knew he was a grandfather, but none of you realized he got the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So then, you know, we met like uh, yeah. Because the I asked about Monitor because the first time I heard you guys is in the middle of the Monitor album. Right, right, and that's uh, that's same thing. That like the connection of those people came through just that thing. Like um, uh, Derek had you know gotten to know some of those folks because they played. It happened like uh, a few years before that. There was before those guys all moved out to L.A. They played some shows around here, and there was um, like uh, there was a writer out here. Uh, that wrote a uh, thing in the New Times, you know, the weekly out here about how this show was cool and blah, blah, blah. And if you weren't there, you know, you weren't cool. And Derek got in touch with him saying, you know, what if, what if you're too young to get into these bars something? And, and through that, I think that guy passed along that, that letter to David somehow. And like David and Derek struck up this, you know, friendship that they like uh, kept in touch with each other. And when, when we started playing together and me and Kurt and Derek started playing out here, uh, some of the stuff, you know, recording stuff on cassettes and whatnot. I think Derek sent some of that out to David, and that's like how we got connected to the LA. We got thing. to them. I think the Monitor people were Valley people. Yeah, they were. They're out in Van Nuys. Yeah. You know, and we got to know them, and we just made pals with those folks. You and know, also just, also uh, was on John Jones's uh, Happy Squid. There was a tune too. Yeah, there was. Yeah, that's that's right. That was. Well, um, I first saw you at the LA Press Club. Is what, it like what, Keats what gig was that? That was that was a ways in there. That seemed like it was kind of a ways in there. We've been at yeah, it for a while. Visited a few times. 
Yeah, we've been out there a few times, I think, and it gotten to know folks, and it's starting to like just come out and hang out. You know, we like uh, just come out and hang out in L.A. for a while. You know, stay out with the with the monitor folks and friends of ours in Hollywood and stuff, and just kind of be out there for a while and do shows intermittently. And then, um, you know, okay, we really got we're at the end of the first hour here, Chris. Oh, cool. July fifteenth, two thousand fifteen, Dishawa Peter Show, brother Matt, our guest. Chris Kirkwood, yeah. hold tight for hour two. July 15th, 2015, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
hladina nikoho nechrání.
bring you into rhythm You are a dear sweet soul The power of love embraces you When you lose control In practical situations Rely on it without procrastinations In the moment is the inspiration Do it now without hesitation So wrap your soul around the goal Make a diamond out of charcoal Before you smoke your next bowl Appreciate all that is here for you Create a light that heals and renews It will bring you out of the blues Harmony, inner peace and tenderness It'll see you through The ones who always smile, all smiles Who are they trying?
Yeah, I'd say that's an R&B number. Well, for Pedro Show, we uh, started the second hour off with Meat Puppets doing Walking Boss. Yeah. Which is a beautiful song. And even more beautiful is the version you cats do that I've always loved. Thanks, man. Going back to your first album, people, I'm kind of responsible for that because <laughs> I told Greg Ginn about that Press Club show and he wanted to know more about them. Maybe I should be cursed for that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Shave the Prince. No, Shave the Price. No, Shave the Pride. I can't read. <laughs> Some brand new from Butcherettes. It's Cherry uh, Bender Gender. Gender Bender. <laughs> sha 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 with Pobavdi say Iskulakam. You special. Melodoika, you need. Vodnik. Ushmadoma. Some Czech guys I just played with. Um, break Disco Dance, Can Can Heads out of Finland. <clears throat> Blow Off Therapy, that's a stew with the Double Up, not Double Up Spy Guys, Panorama City. Uh, Kurt from the Lift Drivers, brand new Proj Labor Camp he did with Paul Rossler called House Going. Uh, Los Umberstones with uh, Tubeleza. Harmony, Inner Peace, and Tenderness by Stephen Kalenich and John Tivin. And finally, Automatic Mojo by the Meat Puppets. Something live on uh, KCRW maybe 15, no, maybe 25 years ago. Back with Chris, we're talking about the early days of the Meat Puppets and him playing. Uh, what was, okay, now you're working bass with original music. 
Right. What was that like? Uh, it was interesting. I mean, it was interesting, definitely. I, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, it was just, I think the band started, like, the reason the band, because like I was saying, you know, there was a, a, Derek knew some people, and just, you know, Kurt had been playing and stuff, and, uh, you know, so there was, like, other people playing together and whatnot, and, and it had never been, like, this thing where Kurt and I sat around going, you know, we've got to start a band or anything. Yeah. And he'd, he'd actually gotten out of the house and had been, you know, done gigs and stuff like that, but I for sure hadn't, you know. And, uh, and then, you know, once we met Derek and then, and then the three of us played together, there was just a certain something that happened there that we all kind of dug, you know, it was yeah. just like, and, and, that, and it was something about it. I mean, it has to do with it being my brother maybe. And, uh, and the, you know, and it was the, the original stuff in a way. I mean, it came out of the punk rock thing, like playing punk rock covers and kind of getting our heads around that a little bit. And then suddenly writing our own stuff and just, you know, this outlet for this, this feeling, you know what I mean? I mean, just and I, I don't know it was fun I, I got to a place with it where it's like you know I mean the bass ain't that hard in, in some ways you know and especially like just certain kind of bass playing is fairly straightforward but then I just you know got it to the place where it was like a you know like a just a toy for me it was just a you know the thing that I held on to while I got to this particular place in my head you know so uh, that's kind of what that was you know and, and what it still is in a way you know and it, and it at you the know. same time, you guys were interpreting a lot of uh, uh, standards. I wouldn't yeah. call them so much covers because you guys really did make your own versions out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. So no, that, might, all... that might have been informing your bass playing too. So it definitely was, you know, and then the people that I was into and stuff. But the kind of stuff that I'd been into though was like beyond me, you know. I mean, I got into like, you know, like the bluegrass stuff at first. Then I started getting into like, started getting into jazz at a point in the seventies, you know. And there's like. That stuff was just beyond me, you know. They're like playing wise. I just, you know, wasn't anything I thought I could really do or something. You know, it seemed like they knew what they were doing in a way that, uh, you know, punk rock kind of allowed me to to like play without having to like really learn how to do it in a way. You know what I mean? Feel your way through it. Yeah, you know, and just and and especially early on back then. I mean, you know, that's. Well, like, what still, about you? Said uh, Derek was singing it first. So what was the process? He would bring in the tune. No, nah, I mean, we would just, we'd be just, you know, we'd hung, hung out with him a lot, you know, he, uh, his mom was getting divorced from her husband at the time, she was married to, like, uh, wasn't Derek's dad, it was another guy, and uh, the guy was, like, a dentist and had, you know, a house that had, like, a guest house with it, so since she was getting divorced from him, she let us kind of have the run of that guest house, you know, so, we, like, would, uh... Oh, that's like hang, the practice pad. Yeah, you know, and it was just a hangout place, you know, so we'd hang out and, and we'd, like, you know go through, I mean, like, like, learn whole, rec like that whole first damned record, stuff like that, you know? Okay. You know, and it was just easy to, like, figure the songs out, they weren't that complicated, you know, and, and then uh, he was singing them and stuff, and then, at some point, once we started writing our own stuff more, we kind of headed out, and, you know, and then Kurt and I started singing more, and start singing our own stuff, and Derek kind of stopped singing at a point, and completely stopped at a point, so. Right, right. I'm curious about, though, how you developed parts on the bass for your brother's guitar, Derek's drums. Um, like, uh, well, Derek was so straightforward with his drumming, you know what sure. I mean? So it wasn't like, I mean, that was one of the things about the Miniman that was so sick. Like, uh, you guys, like, uh, Georgie was like a fusion drummer almost, you know? <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, like, uh, just, like... I don't think Derek ever used his hi-hat for anything. I mean, he just never, like, pushed it up and down, you know, like the hi-hat pedal. 
Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So there's I, yeah, but I don't there. think Keith Moon used much hi-hat either. I mean, everybody's yeah. different. Yeah, Derek was a little along those lines, you know, just kind of, but it's so straight, you know, so it wasn't like, I never like, uh, we never like worked out bass and drum parts, you know, Okay. at all. I mean, it was just like, you know, it, it never got down to like that kind of, like you hear a lot of like the 70s stuff, especially, you know, where the bass and drums are just doing this kind of specific thing. It was more like, you know, I, I would write my parts on top of Derek's straightforward stuff. And that's one of the things I think that influenced the, the way that I played is that, I think I brought some of that, like, uh, or I wanted to get to some of those, like, little, like, rhythmic impetuses or something, you know, sure. kind of things, you know what I mean? And, and we'd do it on the bass in a way because the drums were just kind of, go, you know, so steady state. Right, and right. Then, you could, like, kind of a springboard. And yeah. Then, and you know, then you're and, hearing your brother's songs. Now, did he show you parts or he just played what he did and then you came with what you felt? Yeah, no, he would play, he would, he would show me the songs and, uh, no, I would I would come up with the bass parts, you know, and then like uh, and early on, I mean, it was like the the first record and stuff like that, you know, that's pretty much just going along with the chords, kind of, you know sure. what I mean? It's like na 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 na, I'm doing the same thing, kind of, and then and then there's like the next record, Me Pups Two gets to a, a different kind of a thing, and suddenly the we kind of slowed down a little bit, you yeah. know, and, but we'd already kind of been at, at, you know at that already, like having like uh, you know Walking Boss on the first record, sure. there was definitely Tumble, this tumbleweeds. There's a certain kind of a feel, and already on that first record as well, there's kind of, you know, even on the first seven inch, you know, Kurt's getting into this kind of arpeggiated stuff, you know, Big the songwriting stuff, you know, yeah, you know, and there's like a little bit of a, you know, like the direction that we're, you know, able to go in, or these different directions that we could go in, and then did go in, like on, you know, Me Post 2, we got to that, kind of explored that side of, of the of ourselves and the, of the, you know, the band. And then and by that, the third record, you guys are doing Counterpoint. Yeah, and at that point, then it gets into like the, then you know we kind of gotten a handle on our instruments in a different way, and it's beautiful. Uh, you know, yeah. come that time of the show, Chris, when we get to have Brother Matt bring forth the spin cycle. Do it, Matt. Okay. Cool.
drove you to do what you just did? Black pistol fire. Black pistol fire. <laughs> I dug on them out at the Joshua Tree a yeah. month or so ago at the Joshua Tree Music Festival. And so that started off, and everything else just kind of followed along. Yeah. Chris, we're at the end of the second hour here. I know. July 15, 2015, Dish and Pedro Show. Hold tight for hour three. July 15, 2015, it's the third hour of Watt from Pedro's show.
because we think these things are the right things to do. But because we think other people think the things we are doing are what other people think are the things that are the right things to do.
Cosmodrome. Cosmodrome. Pedro Show started the third hour off with Meat Puppets doing the losing and What Other People Think Other People Think by Tolem and Kaufman Cosmodrone with Cosmos and Meat Puppets doing a cover of Minuteman Price of Paradise, D. Boone song Damn You guys do real What's your favorite Meat Puppet record? Uh, let's see, I like, 
I like double nickels. Thought that was a good meat puppet record. <laughs> What's your favorite meat puppet tune? <laughs> Shit, I don't know. You know, I mean, there's so many. I think you I'm have a, a favorite I'm, meat puppet tour. Uh, let's see. I don't know about favorites, you know. I mean, it's just been some yeah, good times. I don't blame you. You don't have to yeah. answer that. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough it's one to like nail it down. Shit. Like, yeah, you've been through so much. You've done so much. The band has done so much. The band had to take some time off, but the band came back. Yeah, that didn't have to take time off, but it did. But it did. <laughs> I mean, life is a life is a life, and the way it turns out is the way it turns out. Yeah. Believe me, Chris, I am a slow learner. <laughs> so right now we don't have Derek anymore on the drums right you want to tell people about the current Meat Puppets yeah 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 well Derek you know stop playing with this I mean it just goes back to you know it's been a while now but like uh, you know what I I think it's it's all pretty much on me everybody kind of knows that anybody that's familiar with the band at least you know uh, you know I, I, I forced those guys to not be able to keep playing with me pretty much and uh, at that point Derek I don't know, I just, I don't think he wanted to keep playing with Kurt either, you know, at that point, and just kind of backed out of the whole thing. And but he takes care of the archive. He's definitely got, like, uh, you know, a bunch of old stuff, and he does, you know, he's got his site that he keeps up and stuff like so that. you got, um, let's see, what would you say, this this guy, the guy on drums now, his pop, come, he's got some serious progeny. Yeah, yeah, no, we've been playing with Shandon, Shandon saw him for right. quite a while now, and Shandon uh, played with Kurt back when I was gone for, you know, back then, and when, when Kurt and I started playing together, again, uh, uh, God, it's back in 06 already, it's been that long again, um, we asked Derek if he wanted to do it, and he didn't want to, you know, he hadn't played drums in a long time, and that was the thing about Derek going all the way back, it was like, he, I don't think, he, he wasn't into it for like a love of actually playing in a way, it was more of a conceptual thing, you know? Sure. And I kind of reflected in his drum playing and everything, you know. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, he, he just didn't want to do it. So uh, first we had Ted Marcus play with That's us for right, a while. a New York cat named Ted. Yeah, and that just kind of came together surreptitiously, you know, or whatever, just, uh, um, or not surreptitiously, uh, serendipitously. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was working on uh, on another project that was happening when Kurt and I were recording, and it had drumsticks with him, so it kind of just fell into the, into the gig. But then... Uh, uh, then we started playing with Shannon back in '09, and it, it's uh, Shannon Som. Yeah, his dad is Doug Som from uh, right. the Sir Douglas Quintet and right. from the uh, Texas Tornadoes and all of the solos. What's your guys' latest album? Uh, the last one was called Rat Farm. Rat Farm. Yeah. And uh, what's the next plan? Uh, let's see. We've got you know just this live stuff coming out there, coming out the West Coast and shortly, and then um, you bringing us new tunes. Uh, there's a handful of stuff that we're doing, you know, it gets down to, you know, there's a handful of stuff. I mean, the cool thing about it now, the band's a four-piece now, pretty much, and has That's been. That's right, oh. because, yeah, Kurt's son. Oh, yeah, cool. we got Elmo's playing yeah, with us. Awesome. Oh, awesome, awesome. Next yeah. week, it was a one-like thing, but now it's a regular thing, right? It was kind of, I think, uh, you know, Kurt, and Kurt went out with, had El play with him. Uh, well, I he remember he'd be like, uh, one tour, that, uh, Elmo's little... Uh, Band was the opening band, the Dillinger Elmo. Yeah, Kirkwood Dillinger. Yeah, those guys were opening first, one tour, and then Kurt, I think Elmo played with Kurt when Kurt did like a, an acoustic solo thing. It wasn't solo. I mean, Elmo was playing with him, and then uh, then we just started having him play with us a few years ago, and now it's kind of you know I mean it's just gelled into the the band's a four piece now, cool. and it's a it's cool. I mean it's a whole different thing in a way. Cool. 
cool. Next week at the House of Blues, huh? Oh, next week you're coming to play. Yeah. Damn, that, that quick. Here, let's hear, hear some music.
Pedro Show, last music for this edition, Diaper from Meat Puppets. Great tune, Diaper. <laughs> Wonder what that's about. <laughs> I'm wearing one right now. <laughs> then we heard the sacred ch- uh, cow doing uh, picantic piano wire with society. My body betrayed me by Blackwing. Uh, round eye with suntan, and finally the Gun Club with yellow eyes. Did you ever know Jeffrey? Yeah, yeah, I knew Jeffrey. Yeah, man, he was a great. Uh, well, so many people with the movement, incredible talents, but yeah, the people, you know, we all have the flaws. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that. 
But I'll tell you, it was a treat, though. I mean, getting out to Los Angeles was a real fucking treat for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just like this. I mean, look at how long you and I have known each other. You know, I've gotten to – it allowed me to get out of – you know. And, I mean, there were plenty of people here in town that were fun. But yeah. having the – you know, getting to come out to Los Angeles and hooking up – I don't know, just meeting all these folks and stuff. You know, and like you said, I mean, it's the people and so many interesting folks. And that's a big part of it. Big, big part of it, you know, and just like lifelong friends now at this point, you know. Yeah. And uh, getting back to your uh, radio show, uh, now right. you, get to, you get to rap with these cats in, in front of people. Well, I mean, that's, that's an interesting thing. I, you know, it, it, I could see you doing it, you know. I mean, you've, you've been doing this for a while now, you know, and, and, and it suits, it, it like... Uh, Me and Brother Matt's first one, when was Brother Matt? It was May, May 2001? Yeah. Jesus, so, you know So I mean? we're over 14 years <laughs> now. That's awesome, you know, and it doesn't surprise me, though, Michael, because, I mean, your work ethic and your ability to carry, you know, to not just, you know, set these things up, but actually go through with them is pretty intense. And, uh, like, uh, and you know, your love of, like, music and stuff, I don't know, it suits you, and it's just, like, the show's really good, and it's, like, it seems right, you know, so so as far as, like, me doing it, though, it's, like, it wouldn't have happened. It wasn't, like, uh, my idea, you know. It was my friend Bill, you know, talking me into doing it, and, uh, and I told him I would be, I would do it, but he just had to take care of absolutely everything. And now it's, it's kind of like, you know, just that, uh, you know, that withdrawn side of myself somewhat. But, but I'm not that withdrawn. You know me. You know what I mean. I'm like withdrawn in a way, but, but still, he. You got once, a persona. It's beautiful. Yeah, you know, and once this started happening, I mean, it kind of like he was right in that, it that part of me that's, uh, no, no, no. It just came out to where it's like it's a fun thing to do, and I'm getting to talk with like some of my old pals and then other, also people that I don't know that well, you know, and, and some people that I don't know at all. Yeah. What's and, that like? Uh, that's, it's different. I mean, it's, you know, cause like, uh, you know, you know, how it is done. I mean, you obviously, you've been doing this long enough. You got some experience at it and I've done, you know, just like, you know, we've done lots of interviews, right. And you have people asking us questions and that kind of stuff. And that's one thing. And that's fairly easy to do because yeah. it's like, well, I'll just answer the question, you know, but being on the other side of it's definitely a little bit different. But, uh, I remember the first time I tried it, it, it was, it was a lot different, even though the sitch is kind of similar. It right. is much different. Yeah. It's, it's just trying to make sure that it doesn't, cause it's like a show kind of thing. Like where, you know, it's not like just sitting there trying to get answers out of somebody. Cause it's also kind of got this, has to have this flow or something, but I don't know. I'm having a good time doing it. We got a, uh, we have some folks now that actually have come on board sponsoring the thing. And there's, um, this uh, Wellspring is the name of these these people. Uh, Wellspring distributors up in Colorado. I mean, it's it's so perfect of a fit, right? These guys are pot distributors up in That's Colorado. That's right. Mota legal now in Colorado. Yeah, just, I think Oregon just. I just sampled some last. Oregon week. and Alaska as and Washington well. Washington State. Yeah, and uh, and that's pretty cool, you know. And and to, to have actually like suddenly like to get these guys behind it in a way. I don't know. It's it's just kind of this cool little thing that's happening I mean you know Bill was kind of right I'm getting a kick out of doing it you know and suddenly I'm you know it's fun and I'm getting to meet some folks and now these guys have come on board and I really like that uh, I like that it's pot distributors you know that it, yeah Arizona it, doesn't you know? look like much of a future of that right but, no I think you know what I think I actually heard really once great the, well once the I mean I don't know it's I think that I heard that uh, the folks that made Colorado happen you know because there's like a a, a well-funded uh, you know, movement going on. It's not just like, you know, stoners or whatever. It's people that are actually trying to 
and succeeded in getting pot legalized in sure. some places. And I think Arizona is one of the states that they've targeted as possibly being, you know, like the handful of states that they're considering targeting or whatever for the for the go around with it. Yeah, they have medical. Very heavy. Man, no, is it still felony? Ten years. Oh yeah, no, you still don't want to get you know caught out here with it. But but and we have Nevada medical. Too is yeah. heavy, right? Yeah. There's medical here though now, you know. So oh, there is medical. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. a big change. That's lining yeah. up. And because of that, I don't know. They just I don't know. Somehow I think I heard that like this is one of the states that they're thinking about trying to make fall over. But I don't know. Maybe it'll all happen at some point. It's just like the gay marriage thing, you know. Sure. Where, like, you see, how, I mean, that was a a pretty neat thing to see. Like uh, just the whole thing get wiped out just like that in one fell move. You know, the Supreme Court makes a call on it and just boom, it just goes away. You know, all these little the states having their own say on you know their individual takes on it all. And well, I don't know. It's uh. That thing, once you've given a right away or whatever. Here's the thing, though. I, I don't really give that huge a fuck. I've always had good butts. You know what, I mean? <laughs> you know what, though? What you say is really wise. Can I ask you, if some younger person getting into the music racket, you know, what what, what advice would you give them if they asked for? Uh, I, I think I do get asked that occasionally, you know. And uh, let's see. I don't know. I mean, you have to enjoy playing, absolutely. I think it depends on what you're trying to do with it, you know. You see folks that manage to, uh, you know, have, like, use the business as a business and actually get someplace career-wise with it. And you see some folks that, you know, don't. I don't know. A lot of people don't. I'd say it's more like about playing that I could actually advise somebody and I think. Where it's just like, well, fuck that, man. Guitars are a blast. You know, stringed instruments are fun. You know, bass is a blast. Music has been a wonderful companion to me, that's for sure, you know. And, And, you know, just... Play, just play, just play, just play. That's great advice. How can people find your radio show, Chris? Um, I think you just go on. Uh, I don't know. I, it's just tap. It's called the Chris Kirkwood Podcast. So you know, it's, it's part pretty, of SoundCloud, right? It's hosted. It's on SoundCloud, SoundCloud, and it's on uh, yeah. So people, and if you go to SoundCloud.com and then in the search box, go for C R I S K I R K W O O D. Yeah. Chris Kirkwood, you should be able to find him there. And the man is incredibly uh, righteous and stimulating to take it in the ear hole from. That's pretty fun. I want to thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, Chris, hey, I want to thank you, too. Yeah, because yeah, uh, you and the pup's been very near and dear to my heart for over 30 years. So it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. July 15, 2015 edition of the Life for Pedro Show. Brother Matt, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, my Central pleasure. Central Chris, once more. From Arizona, you're the man. Yeah. Oh, you're the man, Michael. See you next week. Okay. Right on, man. Keep your powder dry. Yeah. Fucking A.